y'all. Welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I am your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm going to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. In this episode number 282, I have the privilege of introducing you to one of my new friends, Lucretia Berry. It isn't about if you're like racist or not. It's not even about that. You know, it's this is about how we've been molded and shaped. So even for me, you know, it's like I had to ask, well, when the Holy Spirit was showing me, I, I had to go, oh my gosh, there's all these decisions that I've made or particular decisions that I've made in my life that are, are based on how I've been racialized and not necessarily my God-given identity. You know, we all have this work to do to kind of detox from this ideology that we have been kind of swimming in for 400 or so years. <laughs> We've inherited it, but God is greater. God is greater. And so we have hope that we can create something new. So Lucretia and my paths have crossed twice this last year, once in Nashville and then at a retreat in California a couple weeks before the shelter in place. And in that time I spent with her in lots and lots of conversations, I knew that she needed to come on the podcast. She is an excellent educator and she's the founder of Brownicity, which is an online space helping provide education and support for those who are wanting to work through and help communities foster racial healing. So the big news too is that Lucretia is offering free access to her online courses in April and May. So this is the perfect time. (laughs) I know we're all saying we have lots of time and as moms, we don't actually have time, but it is a great time if you've ever wanted to learn more and, and do the work go check out Browna City. The links are all in the show notes. She also has a great beginner's PDF resource page that I've linked in the show notes. All right, let's get to my chat. Here we go. Hey, Lucretia, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm so excited that we're getting to talk today. Hi, Heather. Yes, thank you for having me on. I'm so honored. Thank you. Thank you. Well, and like I was telling you, the last time we were together, it was in California and we didn't know. We didn't, didn't, I mean, nobody knew, but we really didn't know that that was like our last big hurrah before choosing to shelter in place. And uh, what a precious time it was just to retreat and be out in nature and together. Mm -hmm. That's right. Connect and build some new friendships and cultivate new opportunities for um, life giving. And we've had we had a lot of good conversations mm-hmm. thanks to the work that you're doing and your ministry and I thought I want to move this conversation onto the podcast so that I can invite my people in and they can hear from you because you are one wise woman <laughs> research the art you have a PhD in in educating right and mm-hmm. um Tell everyone what you're doing, and then we're going to get into it a little bit. <laughs> t- and, and introduce them to your people. Like, do a little Lucretia, Lucretia 101. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I am Lucretia Carter Berry. Um, and let's see, I am a wife and a mom. And I, my husband and I, we have three girls. So we hit the jackpot there, like <laughs> right in a row, three girls in a row. Uh, we are a multi-ethnic family. So I am African-American. My husband is a white American, uh, 
like Italian and and Irish and Scottish and all of the blends. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so that our children uh, are multi-ethnic or um, as I tell them, they are, they represent the nations. Um, so, um, and work I do currently um, is an extension of our family conversations um, because we are a multi-ethnic family. So we're one family, but we do live in a very hyper-racialized uh, society in these United States or in America. And so um, kind of challenged with how do you raise uh, a family that is, you know, essentially multi-ethnic, which is so normal throughout the world, um, raise us and raise uh, people, girls and children who are whole, who have a whole identity, you know, knowing that they're not some anomaly of a, of a mixture like, oh, like paint, like you take a color and you mix a color, then you come up. Like they're not that, like they're whole, they're human, they're made in God's image. And then this whole thing uh, about racial categories um, is just that it isn't essentially who they are, um, but it is a, um, a product <laughs> created you know, by man for sinister purposes. Um, and so the challenge was then how do you raise them with the truth of, of the mother? understanding who they really are and seeing their family as one and knowing that they're a whole, um, that juxtaposed with the narrative uh, of race, which is, of course, a divisive uh, caste system. So that began conversations, of course, really early with me and my husband before we even had children. We were like, well, you know, what is, what is our approach going to be um, and how will, we, uh, how will we help shape their identity? And of course, colorblindness and colorblind ideology was not an option. That wasn't. That was never even on the table. But we knew uh, that we needed to have healthy ways to have these conversations to to cultivate life and uh, and beauty in our kids. And so then the conversation extended because we kept finding ourselves in spaces uh, and communities that were multi-ethnic. So either just the community itself was multi-ethnic or maybe, or there were lots of families that were multi-ethnic like ours by marriage or by adoption. Mm-hmm. And so then people would ask us lots of questions. And so in these communities, um, you could say that kind of the questions that people ha- had and our opportunities to educate really birthed uh, what we now call brownicity. Brownicity, our tagline is many hues, one humanity. Hmm. And brownicity is uh, a made up word because <laughs> we are about being creative. You have to create <laughs> what you want, right? Or what we know is possible. You know, you have to listen to God's heartbeat and, you know, move by that rhythm. And so brownicity is two words, brown, and brown represents the melanin that everyone has. Um, I have more melanin, so I have darker skin. My husband has less, so he has um, light, you know, he's lighter skinned. And, and of course, we know that racial categories were transposed on top of that. But anyway, um, we're all hues of brown and ethnicity or is the ethnicity part comes from ethnicity and ethnicity means that which we have in common and everybody has um, ethnicity. So brownicity is kind of the culmination of a conversation and a mindset moving towards the truth of being um, many hues Yes, and one humanity. And so we do have to talk about both those things, about how we've uh, been erroneously divided and categorized and cast, and then how do we move through the wounds and the lie 
to restore the fullness of, of one humanity. So from there, we just, we go where we're invited. So we've been invited to teach in churches, um, in schools. Currently, I work part-time at a school, so I'm on staff fully, helping the staff to move along on their journey um, towards um, like anti-racism or broadening their perspectives. So there's that. And we've created an online learning environment um, because Heather, as you said before we started, I am a cultivator of spaces. Mm. And so I do wanted to cultivate a space, you know, as a teacher where people were, um, could be both safe and brave to learn and to be like, start this learning journey um, and then to be cultivated and equipped along the way. Yeah, we were talking about your fiddle fig tree, and I saw it in the background. I said, it's thriving. It's so rare that you see fiddle figs doing so well. And um, you shared the long story of adopting the tree and how it required (laughs) a course you had to take Mm -hmm. on. And I thought, okay, if a plant to Mm -hmm. thrive requires a course, how much more so do we as people with our wounds and our brokenness require some education and handholding and knowing right. how to thrive as a community. And so I'm thankful for the work you do and, and the techniques that you use to really support education mm-hmm. before putting people in conversations where more wounding could happen. That's oh, what oh my goodness. we were yeah. talking about. Yeah. When we were together is just this, Okay, before you <laughs> gather groups of people from different um, backgrounds, stories, experiences, perhaps let's educate everyone, get them on the same as much as we can right, page right. Um, mm-hmm. as far as vocabulary and uh, history. Hey, y'all, I wanted to tell you about a sponsor who helps make this show possible. It's Skylight Frames. And honestly, I am willing to share this with you because I love it so much. It's a frame that's a digital frame that you can simply email pictures to and they show up. So how we use this in our family is over Easter, you know, social distancing. Well, Bruce's parents recently moved in our area. They've been living in Houston, Texas, and we did kind of like a drive-by Easter gathering and I was able to hand them this frame. They set it up and we've been able from our home to send them pictures. And what's even more amazing is Bruce's sister in London can email pictures His other sisters can email pictures, and it's just a great way to stay in touch. It's so easy to set up in under 60 seconds. You just plug it in, and you use the touch screen on it to connect to the wireless network. And it's a there's a 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you do not love Skylight, they'll give you a full refund. I think it's such a great Mother's Day gift idea, particularly in this season where you might be sheltering in place and social distancing. So here's the really, really good news. As a special Mother's Day offer, you could get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com and enter the code DMA. That's right. To get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, just go to skylightframe.com and enter the code DMA. And I'm going to spell it for you. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E.com. And the code is DMA. 
All right, let's get back to my chat with Lucretia. Here we go. And so related to this work, would you be willing to share like a pain point um, or a place where, you know, maybe someone listening could relate or that that kind of launched you to move from, oh, we're a multi-ethnic family and people are asking us questions to now I'm going to start ministering. Right. And so here's, here's the pain point is that for, um, well, I know why, but race has raised the topic, the conversation, the education has become so weaponized. And so, um, and because of that, people just don't have, we've been denied the language and framework and even for permission to even be good at, at these conversations. And so there's just so much grief and shame uh, around it, which is so unfortunate um, because it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that way. Like you can, because it's so prominent and dominant in our society to the point that oftentimes we don't even, we, we think we can't even see it because it's so much a part of the culture that it, it seems invisible. Um, but yeah, we could, we could simply learn about it and be equipped. And then, you know, when people have information and when people are equipped, then that disconnects the fear part because so much fear is involved because there's such a chasm of misinformation or no information. Or and I think so, for me, fear of I'm going to offend. I'm going to say the wrong oh, thing. Sure. I don't want to do right. more harm. But like if you knew, yeah, that's right. But if you are like given the right information and you're being taught, then that goes away because you, you will know what to say. You will know um, what, you know, what not to say where, what's appropriate um, during, you know, it, with what group and that type of thing. And then even let's just say a person on the receiving end, would not be quickly offended, you know, because uh, they, you know, they know. Okay, we're on this journey. We're we're, we're learning how to do this uh, better. So for me, what hurt my feelings was kind of that. What you're saying is people um, have been deprived, and so kind of feel um, like, well, it's not worth the risk. Like if I try to. Maybe if I want to learn more, if I, or if I really desire to be a part of the solution, I'm, af- I'm afraid. Like there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of fear there. And so um, what people would tell me when they, you know, they ask me questions and I'd say, oh, you know, you know, I answer or teach in this very matter of fact way. Because I think for the most part, I didn't know that people didn't know. And so <laughs> when people would ask me, I'd just say, oh, well, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'd just throw down some facts and you know, do a little history lesson and, and then do a perspective shift. And people would say, well, how come, you know, when we talk to you, it feels so hopeful and life-giving versus when I read, read so-and-so's work, or, you know, I went to this thing and it felt horrible, or I, you know, listened to this person, it just feels so daunting. And I just can't, you know, I can't do this. And so that it's like, oh my, it didn't have to be that way. And, you know, and I wish I could say that I said to myself, self, Lucretia, you should make yourself more accessible, you know, and what you're doing more accessible. I wish I could say that I thought, hey, I'm, I'm going to help uh, my community this way. 
but I, yeah, nope. I was like, nope, that's scary. (laughs) This is scary. I'm not doing that. And honestly, it was a lot of, uh, it was prompting by the Holy Spirit, um, prompting by God. I mean, to the point where, you know, a stranger would walk up to me and start talking to me about this work that I should do. And I'm like, okay, all right. uh (laughs) (laughs) And so then, um, so that is what was happening. Like I really was being, you know, encouraged by Holy Spirit. And then at the same time, or shortly thereafter, as I said, okay, yes. And so I'll start moving forward in this more outwardly, like outside of my house or outside of just my friends, was the Charleston Nine Massacre. And when the Charleston Nine Massacre happened, it shook um, churches so significantly that that's when, for example, my church said, okay, no more of these like casual conversations teach us like here we're going to put you on the calendar for such and such a date and then we're going to gather around and you're going to teach us and I thought okay and then that and that's it and that's how it became more formal Um, and and because I have um, you know people say well who just does that like who just knows how to you know pull a curriculum together and um, I'm like oh okay well yeah my doctorate is in you know curriculum and instruction so and educational design. So I do have this practical understanding of how people learn. So then when people talk about how they experience my work differently, it's because, oh, well, I understand, you know, how people learn. I understand what needs to be in place for you to um, maybe take your first step and then build on that first step and then build on that next step and build on that next step. A lot of times uh, what tends to be available and what tends to be the approach towards equipping people is to say, open up your mouth and here comes the water hose, you know? <laughs> and so then people get overwhelmed and, and it's just too much. Well, you compared it to me to a, like a, a 12th grade calculus curriculum versus kindergarten. Right. Yeah. It's not very kind to hand a kindergartner a 12th grade calculus. That's right. Book. And yeah. it's not very kind to say here, here, kindergartner, here, here's your calculus book. Or to say, kindergartner, welcome to our school. Figure everything out for yourself. So you choose what classroom you're going to go into. You choose the teacher. You choose the, the material. Yeah. You find the history on calculus. There you go. Yeah. And I just sincerely believe, like, and we deserve more. We deserve better. I feel like with race, I feel like race is the only topic, think about it, that we're like, okay, everybody fend for yourself, you know, <laughs> like, mm. just listen to politicians, you know, they'll teach you. So when, when do we allow politicians to be our teachers, you know? Yeah. Or we'll say, listen to, the, yeah, yeah. listen to the news media. They'll tell you the truth. Absolutely not. You know, and then it's a topic where you get to all of the communication manners that you learn get to go out of the window. Like you can just emote and you can just do whatever you want. It's like anything goes with this topic. And I know that it's, it needs to be given um, time, attention, respect. Um, there are people who have been doing, who've been showing us how to unwind a long, long time, but probably mm. most people don't know who those people are. You know, yeah. it also gets treated, race also gets treated like a hot topic. I've had people tell me that like, oh, this is a hot topic right now. Mm. And so you should, you know, write a book or you should do this or that. And um, I go, okay, yeah, it's not a, not a hot topic. It's kind of been a thing for my whole life here. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
it's, it's been around for hundreds of years and it's not yeah, hot. It's not hot. <laughs> but mm. you know, when you look at it that way, then it is treated like a commodity and yeah. not like, yeah, we need to detox our air. We need to detox our water. You know, we need to detox our minds and our belief systems so that we can ascend to our higher, better selves, our, you know, this oneness that Jesus said that we, you know, we should walk in so that we're known by our love. So all of that to me sounds like that's what helped you overcome the fear and kind of pushed you forward. And so Mm -hmm. someone listening is probably like, yeah, I I love everything you're saying. I don't want to hurt anyone. Mm -hmm. I want to learn. I don't, I've, heard that I, you know, I have a desire to know more and to do the work on my end to learn, but I see these lists of books. I don't know where to start. (laughs) So what steps or can you help lead us along in the last bit of our time together? I mean, we have a, we have a while together, but I want to spend a bulk of our time really doing some work now and then pointing them more to your resources. Sure. Sure. So what do you have for us, Lucretia? And I also want to say, the biggest motivator actually is my children because I'm yeah. thinking like, oh my gosh, this world needs, I need to fix it for my kids. <laughs> you know? mm, so, yeah, <laughs> That helped me jump out there. But okay, so I would say, um, for, so first of all, I, I have to pray. I think, again, race is one of those things, this construct that we don't ask God about, like we don't pray about it. And, um, and I have here um, a lot of kind of my... Uh, Inspiration comes from Romans 12 and 2. Uh, Do not allow this world to mold you in its own image. Um, Instead, be transformed from the inside out by renewing your mind. As a result, you'll be able to discern what God wills and whatever God finds good, pleasing, and complete. And, you know, that was the kind of the driving, um, or let me say, it was the lens for my curriculum development or in teaching through this lens, like y'all, we are, have been shaped by this, this ideology to the point that we're, we're unrecognizable. Like Mm. we literally walk as if we are like, we are racial groups. And yes, we do. We have to acknowledge that in order to be able to dismantle that, but to a deeper degree, you know, are we asking God, how have I been shaped by this lie? You know, how have I been shaped by the injustice that is happening all around me? Um, and it says, be, trans- be transformed from the inside out by renewing your mind. What are we doing to renew our, renew our minds? We can pray about what can I do, you know, <laughs> to yeah. renew our minds. We know that we are neuroplasticians and so we can change. We're totally capable of changing our thoughts. We can ask, you know, how we've been shaped. I had one friend say to me along, you know, several years ago when I, that when I was first getting started, she says, okay, she is, she's white, um, Southern woman. And she says, Lucretia, I have never in my life had a negative experience with an African-American man. She says, so why is it that when I'm sitting in my car and one walks by me, I lock my door? Mm. And I'm like, good question. You see, and, and again, we like, why do I believe the way that I do? Why do I think? The way and even be honest. Sometimes we're not even willing to be honest about how we've been shaped by this ideology. And then it says, as a result, you'll be able to discern what God wills and, and whatever God finds good, pleasing, and complete. And it's like, 
when you begin to, you know, ask about how you've been shaped, not by just, you know, this ideology, but all other kinds of beliefs and constructs that really aren't meant for us. They don't help us access and live in, you know, God's design for us. And so when you begin to like peel those things away or question those things, and then you more clearly can hear or know God's you know, will or instruction, you have access, you know, you have, we have to move these things out of the way. So I would say, number one, um, don't be afraid to pray and ask about that. Ask how you've been shaped and molded by things that are not God's intention. There is another sponsor that helps make this show possible. It is Beachbody On Demand. I've been a Beachbody fan for a long time, like over a decade. And I'm so thankful that you can now access their amazing workout videos through their streaming service, Beachbody On Demand. You get access to over 1,300 super effective workouts suited for anybody, anytime. Here's the secret to getting results. It's just getting started. And maybe, you know, we have all this time, but you have... It's been difficult to make time for working out. Well, let me encourage you. If you go check out these videos, you'll find something that you will enjoy doing, whether it's dance or yoga or cardio or weightlifting. They have so many options and great instructors, and you can work out on your schedule. So what I've been doing is I set all my boys up for their schoolwork around the house, their different desks, and then I set myself up next to my second grader who probably needs the most help. And so then I can just hit pause and answer a math question and go back to my workout. And within 20, 30 minutes, I've got that checked off my list. I've moved my body. And honestly, it helps me with my mental health. And I want to help you out. So here's the deal. I'm doing the morning meltdown 100. I'd love for you to join me. And you can do that for free. Just text DMA to 303030. And as a listener, you're going to get a special free trial membership. You'll get full access to the entire platform, all the workouts, the nutrition info and support totally free for two weeks. Just text DMA to 303030. And let me know if you're going to join me. All right, let's get back to my chat with Lucretia. Here we go. If these gals have been following along, they know they listened a month or so ago to Kelsey. And so they know how to listen. So if yes. they, just, they just need yes. a, they need to try it on this, this topic. And I honestly, we have eyes to see, but we don't always see. So asking God, help me see in a new way, because for me personally, um, my journey is, is newer. Mm-hmm. And when your eyes start to open, you start seeing your current reality differently. And those questions like your friend had start coming to mind Mm -hmm. or even like you and I are recording this during the uh, shelter in place and we don't know what's in the future. But what this is doing for me is when I do go to the grocery store or, you know, whatever is open or whatever delivery person, am I noticing the people groups that are impacted Mm-hmm. differently than myself? Am I noticing right. the privilege of having four devices for my kids to do their distance learning and the printer? And, you know, am I seeing just how this impacts my little world? Am I seeing how it impacts a broader spectrum of of the community? And yeah. I don't know, I just feel like I continue, layers just keep peeling off my eyes. Like, 
yeah. filters that have yeah. been in place to just see my own experience yeah. are coming down. And God is so gentle. He's more gentle with us than we are with ourselves or with e- each other. And he will reveal if you ask him, Lord, reveal to me how I'm not seeing the way you see. Oh, that's so good. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I mean, and you know, like when it comes to race, I get it. Like we think that if we ask that question, there's some kind of under, underlying implication that we might be, we might be racist or something like right. that. Right, and right, So, um, nope that that is not it. Like, spirit doesn't even see us that way. You know, God doesn't see us that way. Right. And um, you know, my husband, who is uh, white, you know, he says, um, "I'm married to this black woman, and I have these three brown girls." And he and he's like, you know, and it's a journey because. We've been so um, socialized racially, or we've, you know, we've had, we have certain ideas that are so, you know, pressed in us. He says it's a journey. Like he still, you know, has to pause and and think through some things um, um, about may, maybe how he perceives something, or how he perceives someone, or how he situates himself in a particular, um, like at a particular table. I just say metaphorical table. Um, so it, it's, it, it isn't about, um, if you're like racist or not, it's not even about that. You know, it's, this is about how we've been molded and shaped. So even for me, you know, it's like, I had to ask, well, when, you know, I, Holy Spirit was showing me, I, I had to go, oh my gosh, there's all these decisions that I've made or particular decisions that I've made in my life that are, are based on how I've been racialized and not necessarily my God-given identity. Hmm. So, you know, we all have this work to do to kind of detox from this ideology that we have been kind of swimming in for 400 or so years. (laughs) We've inherited it. But, you know, God's power, God is greater. God is greater. And so we have hope that we can create something new. And so with that, I'll, I'll move to number two, yes. um, which is, yes, yeah, seek education. And when I'm saying education, I mean, like, you know, whether that is a, a book that is teaching you or courses that are teaching you, but seek an educational space to grow. One thing that I'm so excited about right now is that currently, so there are so many great resources that are being created or that have recently been created. I would say um, a few years ago, that wasn't the case. And so a lot of my work was, oh, let me access you. Let me give you access to these resources that I had access to when I was a graduate student, you know, or let me find these resources and then maybe kind of not water it down, but make it more into layman's terms like that. that very early. Like translate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let me translate this for you here, you know? Yeah. But no, like now there's lots of things. I mean, people are understanding the value of of the educational aspect or, okay, if if people have access to this, then, you know, there are people who do want to grow. So I would say number two is like find this educational space to grow. And it's, you do need a community doing this in isolation is not a good idea. Hmm. So even, you know, so I have a, well, first of all, I'm in a family. So my husband is, you know, we're, each other's community. I'm not doing this by myself. And then with a husband or kids who are, you know, bucking, like, no, this is different. Yeah. <laughs> but I, but also, yeah, I'm surrounded by people who 
yeah, like they start using even some of the t- same terminology about being Hughes Brown. And, and it's kind of funny, like, oh, well, look at that, you know, but because you need, um, we, you, you need support and you need to cultivate. A lot of times people won't do the, the thing that they know is the right thing to do because it just feels safer to remain where you are. Hmm. You know, it feels safer to be in belonging and in, in a community. So um, you might have to kind of have like a secret growing community <laughs> that you are a part of just so you can be called like a plant, you know, just so you can be cultivated and you can grow, um, which is again, one of the reasons why I created an online learning community, because it is like this little, here's, here we are over in our little corner. And we have people who ask, I mean, who are so new that, you know, they always start with, I'm embarrassed to say this. Oh, no, this is, we're all safe in here. No, no need Mm -hmm. to be embarrassed about anything, you know, but start with, oh, I've never heard of the word appropriation, you know, okay. Or, you know, so anyway. um, And you match them up in those communities? Like if they sign up, you match them or do you ask people to bring in their own group? So basically in our online learning community, it is you, there's a foundations course that I teach. And so we say, start there. Um, unless you've come into the community be, because you've already taken one of our courses, whether it be live. Um, like a lot of people do uh, what lies between us, like maybe in their church environments. So then they come into the community to keep learning and keep being able to ask questions. And so then you just take whatever courses that you want. Like we just finished one on uh, resilience, well, trauma and resilience. It was so good, but we had a a race trauma and resilience uh, teacher who um, again, she gave us assignments and we did our homework and we walked through some things. It was so good. It's just, it's just that it's part of the class. You're in a community. Like, yes, Mm -hmm. you're in a community, but within itself, but within the community itself, like there is a community that like you can go and ask a question. Like that's part of it too. So it's both. Like you can do community in your class or you can do community overall, but everybody like once you have done, uh, let's see, like our foundations courses, then you kind of know, oh, this is the, I'm going to call it the brownicity way. <laughs> brownicity way. So yeah, everybody is kind of has the same vision. You, you know what I mean? So we're yeah. moving to, in the same goal. We're in the same lanes. Um, we, there's no, nobody is in there uh, hurting other people. So it's really good. But anyway, like I said, you don't have to learn with brownicity. Um, there's so many other great places. Just stay away from the guilt and shame spaces. I still don't understand why people pay for that kind of stuff. And the reason why that's not good is because if that's how you are coming to the conversation to learn, like you're being from a place of guilt, from yeah, a from place a, of guilt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or you're coming to be, because some people want the guilt because that makes them feel mm. uh, cleansed in some way. Hmm. So if that's a part of your process, like I need to feel guilty, I need to feel shamed, or somebody's trying to sell that to you, the danger in that is, then that's what you perpetuate. So then when it's your turn to help someone, then you turn around and perpetuate the guilt and the shame, and the, this like, the intensity. Does that make sense? Totally. 100%. Like how you, yeah, how you're taught it is how you then bring it or whatever, or how you t- put it out, like whatever come, goes in is whatever you put out. So then if you are learning in a space that is cultivating, like understanding um, 
and grace and love and that i mean but in bringing the truth and truth there you go there's that truth that's what you move forward in and then that's what you give so so i would say please yeah educational spaces that are, are life-giving is very important it's, so and it's also um like for me it having a space cultivated for that is also self-care for me so for example um social media uh some some of our social media you know ways of communicating so it is a blessing and a curse in that that we have access to people we have access to people and people's voices are heard but oftentimes then people who have no education around anti-racism um, or they've had no they have no experience with kind of cultivating learning then their voice is put on the same <laughs> given the same amount of space and time as yeah. someone who has been use you know, your voices useful. widely right Right. Some people should be listening way more than talking. <laughs> well, I was going to say, if, you, if you're looking for a way, kind of a sneaky way, to find your real life people who are curious and wanting to learn, then follow someone like Lucretia and repost on your Insta story one of her insightful shares and see who loves it or comments or, Oh, this was oh, so helpful. Yeah. And then they, you know that they're your person. So you could say, Hey, I'm thinking about taking Lucretia's oh. foundations class. You want to join me? That's so good. Right. Because I felt that like I shared is. one of your, uh, I think you shared a little, what do you call it? A diagram or kind of a, it had like from here to here, if this is true, then this is true and go here on what word to use when you are talking oh, about a person. Yes. That color. one, yeah. So, is it like, are they actually from <laughs> Cuba, or like you had said, right. like if they're, in, yeah, you don't yeah. say African American because they're not American. Yeah. So anyway, it was a very, very helpful little diagram that yeah. I think sometimes there's even fear that we're using the wrong word. Right. I know. And I, and I know I've made that mistake. Yeah. And, but the, and the tragedy there is that if you make that mistake, I don't know why we can't just. If somebody makes a mistake, we go, oh, okay, it's a mistake. And then we correct it and move on. Why it has to be um, such a, a, hor a horror mm -hmm. story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't. See, mm -hmm. but again, because race, it has been so weaponized. And so then it's horrible. No, but I think, I think that that's all why you're saying so many wise things. Oh, this is yeah. why I just think you're a really helpful guide in all of this. So do you have, you've given two great things. Okay, one more and then I'm okay. done. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Never done. I mean, honestly, y'all, please go keep doing the work with Lucretia because we had probably like a three-hour conversation one day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we cannot capture all of it in this space. <laughs> and speaking of the whole, the online learning community, uh, my little space, um, or my, I shouldn't call it little, my space, how about that? Because of the what's happening right now, and where you know people are losing their jobs, and where if people want to jump in and start learning, um, we are giving a coupon to uh, to waive the fee for April and May. Just being my and I know um, someone says, well, that's only you know twenty dollars, but twenty dollars is a lot um, when you don't have it. So people can still learn and you know keep moving forward. Uh, without, you know, any kind of, like I, yeah, I knew that people would, people would struggle and then need to 
maybe end their subscription. So I, I don't want, I want people to keep learning. So that's so great. There's that. Super valuable. Okay. So number three. And number three, number three is create. So I had number one is, you know, pray. Number two, um, find an educational space to grow. You want to grow. And number three is to create. And people ask me all the time, how do you do this work without feeling like darkness and it's the end of the world and nothing's ever going to change? And, um, you know, fundamentally, we were created to create with created by a creator. So we are designed to create. And um, so for me, whenever I sit down to put a course together or um, like I, I teach a class at a high school. So whenever I put a lesson plan together for my class, um, I'm also um, creating some some other um, content for uh, Brown City, some publishable stuff. I feel alive and amazing and whole. And so um, I've seen people start the journey and then they stop because they said it's just too overwhelming. And Mm -hmm. I, my, which I, I understand. So I, to the people, I'm like, you got to create, you got to find something. So even if um, you're overwhelmed that the prison system is disproportionate, um, African-American males make up the prison. Like if that's just so daunting, I find something in that area of work to do. Um, like my space, I love to create things that help people learn, um, that equip people to, you know, move forward uh, to, to kind of create the world that we know is possible. I love to do that. You have to create what we know it can be or what it should be. And so um, like I have a friend, what she wanted to do. Well, first of all, if, you know, when you have kids, you, te- you can teach your kids differently. Yeah. And so it, she has, she's white, her whole family is white. And so she, she puts a lot of work into teaching her kids differently because she wants her kids to, to grow up differently than she did. She doesn't want them to have all, you know, believe the lies and have all these fears around people who are different. And so, but what she does now is she shares her stories because she wants other moms, um, especially white moms to kind of see the journey, see her journey. And she talks about some of the mistakes she, she's made on her journey and how she recovered. She interviews um, people like I'm, she interviewed me. <laughs> I'm one of the people to, to talk about like my thoughts and, and you know, how, I, what I do with my family or what I do in the community. So again, again, if you're creating and you're contributing to uh, hope or you're, you're contributing to some making things better, then you stay on the journey. You continue yeah. on the journey. It gives you a place, an outlet to apply what you're learning instead of it just staying internal. I, I think it's a fantastic idea. And someone might say, I'm not creative. They think creative means you just painted a, a Picasso or something <laughs> like no. what you're saying. Like she, cre- she's interviewing people or, you know, whatever it is with the prison system. I, I'm, you know, it, it could be an administrative thing. It could be yeah. a role of just organizing people together to do something. It's, it's really just what you're saying, taking the information and applying it in some way. So that's yeah. a fantastic idea. A way that you can see it and celebrate it. That's mm. so create something that wasn't there before. Yeah. So if there was, you know, if you live in a neighborhood, I did have a woman do this. She said, I want you to come 
and do this whole thing for my neighborhood. She lived in a big house. So, or they, she lives in a big house. So she invited over 30 neighbors and wow. um, we did a whole series for them. So I mean, like, you know, you create something that wasn't there before. So now her neighbors are like, oh, and st- to this day, sometimes I'll run into a neighbor. Remember I met you at so-and-so's house and, and then they'll update me on how they've moved forward on their journey. Right. So that's how she yeah, multiplied it. Yeah. That's how I keep doing this is because got to keep creating. Hmm. And then you see, you know, you just you see what you've created. <laughs> that's so great. Oh, Lucretia. Honestly, I want to keep talking because you've enlightened me in so many ways in the work. It's probably in the foundations class. I'm so thankful that you're offering it for free to people and this April and May, and I will share that on Instagram. I will also link to where people can find you online, Brownicity and all that stuff. And Mm -hmm. um, we're just so thankful for you. Keep going. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for the encouragement. And I hope you just thrive in this time of <laughs> That's our word, self-quarantine, thrive. right? And you are such a cultivator. So just keep growing things. I love Thank it. You. Thank you. And thanks for being with us today. It was my honor. I thank you so much for having me. Thank you for, you know, seeing the value in what I do and then giving it to other people. Thank you. Thanks y'all for listening. Thanks for trusting me. I know these are odd times and You know, I really felt like this content was important right now. I think that if we really are following a variety of people on social media, we will see that there is varying impact of this COVID-19 on different communities. And so the more, like I said, we open our eyes, the better we see, and we see the image of God in people, and we see his desire for us to live in one community, one humanity. So I'm going to pray over us in this work. Lord, I thank you so much for Lucretia. I thank you for her willingness to use the gifts and the talents you've given her, her ability to educate and to craft and to foster places where there's thriving and there's life. And I thank you for her encouragement to pray and to find community to do this and to create. I pray, Lord, for the person who's listening, if there is any pain or trauma or wounds related to this specific topic, that you would be the healer who comes in and does a work that we can't see. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move in ways that we can't imagine. And I pray, Lord, for all of us, um, encouragement and hope in our hearts as day to day we can get pretty discouraged by um, this odd moment in our history of it's just uncertainty and unknowns and fears. And so be our strong place to stand, be the King of Kings in our lives that we turn to in Jesus name. Amen. All right, y'all. Thank you for listening again. Please check out those show notes because there are links to her online course that you can try out for free and uh, that educational resources page for beginners. It's a great PDF to check out. All right. I'll be back here next week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, 
Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us. Moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.